0: Welcome to the Sharing the Faith podcast, where every other week we explore the beauty and power of faith in Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Now here is your host, Dr. Tom Neal. Hello, I'm Dr. Tom Neal, and this is my first episode of a new podcast that I'm doing here for the Diocese of Pensacola-Tallahassee called Sharing the Faith, and I'm really excited to be able to offer this podcast. I think on a regular basis, every other week will be what we're shooting for. Um, so uh, I began here uh, working at the diocese uh, about, let's see, I began in early July. So it's been about two and a half months I've been here. I uh, Just a little bit of my background. So I'm originally from Rhode Island and Massachusetts, grew up in New England, went to Florida State University in the middle 1980s. Went there to pursue my degree in meteorology, which, believe it or not, Florida State University is known for. If you didn't know that, it's a very kind of well-respected school of meteorology. And uh, and then in my first year and a half there, I had a life-changing experience that brought me back to faith and kind of set me on a different trajectory. And then from there, I went on to get my degree in theology and then years down the line got my PhD from Florida State University again. I ended up returning to Tallahassee and got my degree in religion um, back in 2007. So this diocese in my life has a real kind of, uh, kind of rooting, important foundational place for my own faith journey. Um, I also met my wife Patty back in 1988 uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. We've been married now. We got married in 1995. We've been I'm married now, It's that's 28 years in October this year. We have four adult children. And uh, my background in theology is in what's called dogmatic theology, which is a focus on the basic truths of the foundational truths of the faith. Um, I got my PhD in religion focused on medieval uh, European Catholic history. My dissertation was on St. John of the Cross and his own uh, work with Teresa of Avila on the reform of the Carmelite order. Um, I've been working in parish ministry, uh, teaching the faith in parishes or parish contexts for about uh, 21 years altogether in my career. I also spent 11 years in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana at Notre Dame Seminary as a professor there and academic dean in various other positions, teaching men who are going to be future priests as well as lay people and uh, uh, offering certification for people who work in the church uh, and degrees Um, I I, uh, have a passion for the lay vocation, for the vocation of the lay faithful, people like myself and probably the vast majority of you out there listening to this, um, to teach the faith. Uh, This podcast, which is called Sharing the Faith, is a play off of Bishop Bill's uh, pastoral letter called Sharing the Gift. In that pastoral letter that he wrote, uh, I think it's been a couple of years now since he wrote it, uh, it was oriented towards the mission of the church as an evangelizing church, a church that is dedicated to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaiming Christ's work uh, of saving, liberating, healing the world, and our participation in that work in the world. And so I thought this this podcast would be a playing off of that by focusing on the gift that we share uh, of faith, which is that foundational gift uh, from which everything else flows, our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. So my work in this diocese, my title is the Chief of Evangelization and Mission Engagement, which is quite a mouthful, <laughs> Chief of Evangelization and Mission Engagement. If you look at the acronym there, it is C-E-M-E, which you can say is pronounced me," which is kind of a dangerous title to have for someone because, well, everyone comes to see me uh, because my work of evangelization relates to everything, so I guess my job will be um, to get involved in as much as I can in this diocese to promote the work of evangelization, and especially to forward the vision of Bishop Bill uh, that's found in that pastoral letter, which is such a privilege. So this podcast here uh, really is an opportunity for me to, with you, explore the riches of our Catholic faith. Uh I first took my very first kind of academic theology course, course in the faith, you could, you could say, in 1987, in the fall of 87 at Florida State University. I was getting my degree in meteorology, but when I had my faith conversion experience, I thought, I want to take a course in religion. So there was a course offered in New Testament, and I took it. And during that semester, I was like, this is amazing. Like I never knew our faith was so not only interesting and compelling, but so intellectually deep and rich. And uh, since 1987 to this day, I have been set on this quest um, of going deeper and deeper and deeper into the faith that is our Catholic tradition. And I can tell you after all these years, what is that, 36 or so years, um, there has never been a moment that I have been bored uh, in this work uh, our faith is absolutely amazing and captivating and fascinating and challenging and, and takes you to places you never imagined in, in thought. So, so my hope in this podcast is to um, offer you what I think of as a deep dive into the Catholic tradition, into the Catholic Church in her life, her saints, her history, her sacraments, her teaching, um, and the great human beings that I've come to know in the Church uh, throughout the years. Some of these podcasts will be me speaking here, but that's probably not very interesting. You know, a talking head is not exactly as compelling as when you have people speaking with each other. So I, I hope to have many people on here that will have conversations with me um, over the months and hopefully years ahead. Uh, one of the blessings of working in the church, I've worked in the church um, in uh, Maryland, D.C., Florida, Iowa, Louisiana, uh, and now back here in Pensacola. And being all over the country has allowed me to meet just an amazing variety of human beings, Um, priests, bishops, uh, deacons, religious brothers and sisters, lay people of every background imaginable, those who work in the church, those who don't, who work in the world. And uh, I think one of the greatest privileges of my work of evangelizing is telling the story of how Christ has worked in the lives of other people and then how that's helped to shape me, how it's impacted me. So, so I'll bring on all kinds of people on the show to have conversations about a whole host of topics. Um, so that's my hope, is to invite you into that conversation. Um, one of the things I cherish so much in my own life, in my intellectual work, in my theological work, but in my own life, is dialogue. Dialogue. And I love the word dialogue. Uh, Pope Benedict uh, wrote an article one time on what dialogue is, because we talk about interreligious dialogue, interfaith dialogue, you know, and so forth. Um, but what does that really mean? And he did this kind of neat thing with the word dialogue, uh, took the etymology of the word. It's a it's it's rooted in two Greek words, um, dia and logos. Dia, among other things, means through. And logos means lots of things, but it means to think or reason. So what dialogue is, is to think or reason through another person's mind, through another person's perspective, right? Sometimes when we enter into conversations with someone, we think at them, right? We tell them what we think, and then they tell us what we think, and neither of us are changed, neither of us are affected, our worldviews aren't modified because we don't allow it. But then you have conversations where you enter into someone else's mind and you let them do the same with you and it begins to shape the way that you think. It gives you new perspectives, it expands your horizons, deepens your your understanding of things, challenges you, makes you ask questions you've never asked before. Uh, it can be threatening and scary, dialogue can be thrilling and exciting and, and exhilarating, it can be contentious, uh, it can be all kinds of things. The human mind was made for truth. The human mind was made to quest after truth, right? We, we always want the truth, don't we? We don't want lies. We want the truth. Um, and the truth, Pope Benedict would say, is inherently relational. It requires that we come together to come to it. Uh, God has so constructed things that we need each other to come to him and to come to the good things that he's prepared for us. Um, St. Paul uses this beautiful phrase, that we should speak the truth in love, which means that truth and love must go together. And and part of what dialogue is, is engaging in love by questing for truth together, right? It's a common uh, venture. It's a common quest. It's not a competition, um, although it may have competitive aspects to it. But ultimately, the goal is that we both come to a deeper understanding of things. Um, there's a beautiful... Uh, tradition from the Middle Ages. In universities, it was called the disputatio, the disputation. And what would happen is, um, say a certain professor at the university wanted to hold a public debate. Um, So what the professor would do is they would take some kind of um, argument they would make, right? They would make an assertion of some sort, and they would take that assertion and they would nail it on the door of the You know, chapel to the university, for example, and say, you know, on this day, I'll be at this place. Anyone who wants to come and enter into a debate with me over this con, this idea or this question, um, come do it, right? So come, come join me. So you would have a public disputation that would take place, um, between two people usually, or sometimes one person and then several others. Uh, and you'd go through back and forth and it was very, you know, disciplined, follow the rules of logic, which most arguments these days do not, which is why we end up in, in stalemates and not going anywhere. But it would go on and we'd go back and forth and they could go on for hours, sometimes days. They would, they would have to start them the next day and they would keep going on. And there was a beautiful tradition in the Middle Ages that, uh, at the end of, a, a disputation, when one of the two people involved in it, Believed that, that, that the argument had finally come to conclusion, and whatever the other person had you know, argued, the person had conceded was true. That person who conceded the other, uh, other's point as true in the end would, would not say, You win, I lose. They would say this They would say, Truth has appeared. Let us rejoice. Isn't that amazing? So the goal is not competitive about winners and losers. The goal is that we came to a greater truth, and that's the victory, not that I bested you right, or owned you. So, so that's, that's the kind of approach that I have found in my life and growing over these years in my education, in my relationships, um, especially at Florida State University, where I was in an environment that was not Catholic, and I had to learn to think with people who thought outside of my worldview didn't share my premises. And I realized that that didn't have to be threatening. And that most of the people that I interacted with, the grad students and the professors, were genuinely interested in understanding my own perspective on things. And if I reciprocated that same interest, we could have a very constructive and interesting conversation. Where in the end, we may not come to any consensus or agreement, but in the best way of looking at it, both of us would come away enriched from it. So. So this is how I hope to uh, approach this podcast, is a, a, a conversation, uh, stretching my horizons by taking on topics as we go ahead into the future, um, and thinking through your minds. I mean, I may never meet any of you. Maybe I'll meet you somewhere sometime. Maybe you'll write me or something like that. But I'm thinking through your mind right now. You're, you've allowed me in, and you're taking my thoughts seriously. Um, and I'm anticipating the kinds of things I imagine some of you out there are thinking or maybe arguments you have or questions you have. Um, and this is the kind of thing that enriches life. So, so this is this podcast for me, for me will be that experience. So I'm excited about it for myself because that to me is how I grow. Uh, so I'm grateful for this opportunity that, um, that Kenobia and Derek who work in the communications office have afforded me, that the bishop has afforded me by hiring me here um that I have this amazing studio and this equipment I've never in my life worked in a place that had this kind of professional equipment literally down the hall from my office um so i'm so happy to be able to be part of this um so so conversations with people that, that that's what this will be um and and exploring the gift of faith and sharing that that gift of faith through uh, dialogue and let me say one last thing here um on this point of dialogue um, there's lots of ways that we enter into the minds of other people and let them enter into our minds. Right? Um, reading books. As soon as you read a book, you're, you're you're thinking with an author. G.K. Chesterton, who's a kind of early to mid or early 20th century British Catholic convert apologist, you know, brilliant writer, once said to someone, "Have you been read by a good book recently?" I love that. Have you been read by a good book recently? In other words, when you read a book, the book, in some sense, right, it judges you, stands over you, defines the way you think, challenges the way you think. So so books are, are alive in that sense. So, so reading, listening to podcasts, um, homilies, lectures, debates— um, one of my greatest dialogue partners in terms of really kind of deep thinking in my life is Father Dustin Fedden, who is a priest of this diocese who lives over in Tallahassee. We've been friends now for 20, let's see, 22 years we've been friends. Um, and we just, we're just, we really think um, in sync, but we think in sync in a way that is very different and, 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 and helps me to stretch. And I, I think I could say the same probably for him. And he and I communicate through voice texts. <laughs> we have this thing where we send voice texts back and forth constantly. And it's like we have a living conversation all the time. And I have just grown so much in my worldview over the last years doing that. So so I hope you have those alive in your life, those kind of conversations, friendships, relationships around faith. Um, because if you don't have a place where you could process your faith and, and kind of grow in it and struggle with it and think through it with others, um, you miss out on an essential way that the Lord uh, speaks to us, that he appears to us, that he reveals himself to us through conversations. Think of how many times in scripture that he comes to people when they're together conversing um, or he enters into conversation with them. Um, and, And so, so that leads me to this, 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 this point, which I'll end my podcast with some reflections on, which is the greatest form of dialogue of all the supreme dialogue that we human beings are called to is the dialogue with God himself. Like God wants to think through you, and he wants you to think through him. He wants your mind to enter into his, and his mind to enter into yours, and you to kind of... That's an extraordinary thing. You now, St. Paul says that we have the mind of Christ, like through baptism and the gift of confirmation and the Holy Spirit's gift to us, and through our prayer lives and reading sacred scripture, um, Christ's mind comes into our mind and inhabits it, right? That's an amazing thought. But it's not a strange thing because, I mean, I think of my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We've known each other since 1988. I mean, I have the mind of Patty. <laughs> and Patty has the mind of Tom. Oh, God bless her. That will get her to heaven, having to having to have my mind in her. Uh, but, but it's a sign of love that you have kind of allowed the other person to enter into you and you into them. They shape the way that you think. Um and you anticipate them in your thoughts. Like I know what she would like. You know, when you enter into relationship with Christ in a dialogue, so thinking through with Him in prayer and Scripture, and um that that you begin to think, I know what He would love. I'll do this because I know this would please Him because this is what pleases Him because I know Him. I've I've thought about Him and 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 I've felt Him think His thoughts in me. You know, as he's inspired me and spoken to me in whatever ways in life. Uh, and he wants to know my thoughts. There's a beautiful line, uh, Saint Faustina Kowalska, who's the Divine Mercy saint, right? They gave us the devotion of Divine Mercy, the chaplet of Divine Mercy. She has a diary she wrote. And in there, there's this extraordinary experience that she has. Um, she is uh, at the end of her day, she's going to bed. She's had a lot of suffering that day, a lot of physical pain. And she goes to sleep and she usually does her you know, night prayer, last devotional exercises before sleep, but she's so tired that she just can't complete them. And so she falls asleep. And then she wakes up later and the Lord, if you read her diary, the Lord speaks to her in very vivid ways. I mean, ways that the vast majority of us never experience. But he said to her, why didn't you tell me about your day? I wanted to hear the details. Um, And I don't remember the rest of what her response to him was in the diary that she recorded. But I just thought that's like, that's an astounding thing. Like I always think, well, you know, when I talk to him, I'm I'm talking to him and he's like, he's obligated to listen to me. He's God. and He'll listen to me and he'll answer my prayers and things like that. But like that he wants to hear from me. But But of course he does because he's love. I mean, my wife, she wants to hear from me. I want to hear from her. My children right? Um, and so that's the dialogue, right, of, of the life of prayer. And this is why we would say in our Catholic tradition that the most important act of the Christian, the most fundamental act of the Christian, it's not the only one, but the most fundamental one is the act of prayer, of converse or conversation or dialogue with God, of allowing him to enter into our minds and ours, our minds to enter into his minds, Um, This is what discipleship means, right? So we're we're called to be disciples, which means students. And and what do students do? Students allow the mind of the teacher to enter into their minds and then vice versa, right? So in, in the world of rabbis, Jesus was a rabbi, you know, there's no such thing as in in rabbinic school, if you're going to study to be a rabbi, you would never do what most American students do in a classroom. No one sat there in a classroom and took notes while the professor, professor lectured and, you know, looked at the PowerPoint and made all the points and you, you took a test at the end. Um, that is not how they learned. In rabbinic school, how you learn is you debate everything with the rabbi. Like you enter into these ferocious debates. Like, look at the Gospels are full with arguments, right? The Pharisees arguing with Jesus. Jesus arguing with the disciples. The disciples arguing with each other. The disciples arguing with the Pharisees. Everyone's arguing with each other. And that doesn't mean that they're angry at each other or that they're, you know, just in a bad mood. Or It, it means that's how they know that truth is come to. You, you come to it by struggling and contending with each other to think through it. Um, and so to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a person of prayer. In other words, a person who is willing to sit at the feet of the master and enter into a disputatio, into a a back-and-forth with him, Uh, right? Uh, The story of St. Teresa of Avila, this anecdote, is often told. People love this story because it's so human, but it really gets this point across. Uh, So St. Teresa of Avila is traveling between these convents that she's founding. This is in the mid-1500s. She's founding convents throughout Spain, um, and she's traveling, and she's traveling in a carriage with horse-drawn carriage, and it's been raining and raining for days, and so the horse-drawn carriage gets stuck in the mud, and then she eventually gets tossed out on the ground and falls down in the mud, you know, in her habit, and it's just a mess. Uh, and she gets up, and she hears the Lord say to her, this is how I treat all my friends. <laughs> and then she f- famously says back to him, well, no wonder you have so few, right? That's just... <laughs> an amazing exchange, right? We, that's very bold. She's got chutzpah. Now, she was Jewish, by the way. She had Jewish blood in her, right? So she has that Jewish chutzpah that kind of, she knows how to pray like a Jew. Uh, but that's that kind of living exchange with God. I mean, prayer can be serene and, Lord, I surrender to your will. Absolutely. I surrender to your will, Lord. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I just want to listen to you. Absolutely. But prayer is also a very vigorous exchange back and forth, where we bring our entire life to God, right? Not just our good parts. You know, I don't go to prayer and just give God my good stuff, right? Like I'll give you my good side, I'm, you know, and then I hide my other stuff. I I I always speak to God with reverence, but I speak to God honestly, and I bring to Him everything, right? That's the real dialogue He wants. Uh, Saint Gregory uh, Nazianzen, who's a fourth century. Father of the church uh, great theologian uh, in Asia Minor uh, he says this he says he says God can only redeem what he first assumes to himself and what he's referring to there is is the question of whether Jesus is fully human or not Is Jesus fully human and there were there were certain movements in the church that were arguing that Jesus wasn't fully human he didn't have a soul he just had a body but no soul and the, and that the the the, the, the Son of God took the place of the soul, so he wasn't really fully human, uh, and and so forth. Uh, so, so he was saying that if God, when he became human, didn't assume the entire full reality of what it means to be a human being—body and soul, you know, emotions, anger, right, all love, passion. Um, and even since Jesus came to redeem us from sin, Jesus even experienced temptation, right? He never succumbed to it, he never sinned, but he felt the pull, everything about us. Uh, and so St. Gregory says he can only heal or redeem what he assumes to himself, right? And that's by taking on our full humanity. Well, that's also true of us personally. In other words, God can only heal what we allow him to assume by giving it to him, by bringing it to him, by handing it over to him. Um, And that's the best and the worst of us. It's our prayers, our, our fears, our hopes, our griefs, our anxieties, our, our failures, our sins, our great virtues. All of that we bring to him. Uh, And then he can get into it. Because, you know, it's like he's a gentleman. He will never force himself into it. He only enters into what we give him permission to enter into. Which is why... The Son of God couldn't become human until Mary consented to it. He would never have forced himself on Mary to become human in her womb. Uh, so she said, "Let it be done to me according to Thy Word." And at that moment, the Word can become flesh. So when we give permission to God to enter into our stuff, uh, He can enter into it and work in it. And that's really what prayer is. Prayer is lots of things, but in in the, in the, in the kind of a fundamental sense, prayer is consenting for God to act in us freely and fully. Lord, I give you full permission to act with freedom in me, right? Now sometimes when we give him that permission and he starts to take it seriously and do it, we we pull back. <laughs> We're like, okay, didn't mean that much. You know, I didn't mean that you could be that free. You know, maybe just ease up a little bit. St. Teresa of Avila says that a lot of times people who start praying regularly start noticing that all kinds of stuff is happening in them they don't like, so they stop praying. <laughs> because they see the connection, like, I'm just going to quit the praying thing here, because clearly this is not working out well, because he's touching stuff that I don't like, right? Which is what he does. Um, but he does it for our well-being. He doesn't do it to hurt us. He does it because he wants to heal us, and like a surgeon, you know, I'm sorry, got to go in there, got to cut it open, got to do this what I get first, you got to, you know, got to go through the pain first before you go through the healing. And so that dialogue is opening ourselves in our whole life to him, Not just opening our words or our ideas or our petitions, all of which we should open to him, but everything. So I like to say, um, I have some notes here. I like to say that, that our prayer life with God should be full of all the rich dimensions of relationship that we have with anybody that we really have a relationship with. Not superficial ones, but the ones that have, you know, substance and depth. So that relationship is full of speaking and listening, laughing. Right. There, there's, there are, there are people in the scriptures who laugh in the presence of God, like Sarah, right? One of my favorite scenes of all time, of all scripture, is when Abraham and Sarah are, uh, are camping out in a tent. And while they're there, these three guests come, three guests, which eventually Abraham realizes that the three guests are God. And for us Christians, that's a foreshadowing of the Trinity, the three guests. Anyway, so the three guests come, Abraham runs to the tent, and he, Tells Sarah, let's prepare some food, let's kill, kill the fatted calf, and get, you know, make some, you know, a feast for these, you know, travelers. The kind of ethic of hospitality that was so big in the Middle East. Um, and, and they're eating, uh, they're eating the food and with Abraham, and he's, you know, visiting with them, and they say, we're just letting you know, you know, you, Abraham, who are what, 92 years old, that we'll be back next year at this time, and you'll have a child with Sarah. <laughs> My favorite scenes. In Scripture, is that Sarah in the tent overhears this and she laughs. laughs. She laughs, which is why her child that's finally born is named Isaac or Yitzhak, which means laughter. <laughs> and why is it funny? This is one of the funniest lines in Scripture. Sarah says, Am I to have pleasure with my husband at this age? That's what she says. It's in the Bible. It's extraordinary. This kind of exchange. And then God says... Why did you laugh? And Sarah says, I didn't laugh. And he says, yes, you did. <laughs> this, it's just marvelous. So, so you see the humanness of the exchange involves laughter. It involves crying, right? We have, we have people who, who weep before God, right? Sob before God. Arguing. There are Psalms dedicated to arguing with God. Yes, in reverence, but arguing. Like there are Psalms that begin with the words, Lord, why are you sleeping? Wake up. Do something. Don't, how do you see our suffering here and do nothing? Right. Now, this is this is bringing the full human uh, experience, reality to him. So arguing, but reconciling, um, praising and thanking, feeling joy and frustration, anger and longing, ups and downs, playing and working together, um, or just wasting time together, just being in the presence of God. Like all of those. Uh, become part of our dialogos, our dialogue with God, our prayer life. Like, like prayer isn't just something you do here. You know, so let me say these prayers, which you, which you should do. We're going to church. Prayer is life brought into relationship with God. Right? Everything. He wants everything. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, everything you are, everything you have. And so, so in this series, I will also focus on the spiritual life and the life of prayer, uh, what it means to grow in the life of prayer, how you face the obstacles in prayer, what are the different ways to pray. Um, you know, There's just so much to learn about the life of prayer. And I begin this episode by saying that the most fundamental aspect of the Christian life is the life of prayer which is the living relationship with the living God. Because if you don't have a living relationship with God, then your faith is not faith anymore. It's just ideas. It's just an ideology. It's just uh, a bunch of things that you say uh, you believe, but they don't have the real impact that they're intended to, uh, uh, which is to open up between yourself and the living God, a relationship of love. And in the end, God's desire for us is union with him. Union with him. That's a very kind of lofty term, union with him. Um, I think here of my grandparents. My grandparents on my dad's side, Nana and Pop, we called them, were married for 76 years. (laughs) Extraordinary, 76 years when my grandmother finally died of Alzheimer's and then my grandfather died of Alzheimer's. He was one week shy of 100 years old when he died. They were so... They were so close with each other. They would they would argue all the time. They loved each other. They loved spending time with each other. They were they were just yeah, they were just beautiful. And they and and I grew up in a family where there was divorce. My parents divorced. And so I particularly always cherished the marriage of my grandparents uh, as something that I held on to. It was like a like a lighthouse for me. Um but my grandfather, when I got married, he wrote a letter to me about marriage. He gave me advice about marriage. And in there, he had this gorgeous section. I wish I don't, I didn't print it out. I wish I had, but, but he says, you know, uh, talks about his, his life of marriage with, with my grandmother. And he says, you know, I don't know where Nana begins and I end or where I begin and she ends. Uh, There's no more, uh, I, me, or my left. It's only we, ours and us. Um, and, uh, he said, you know, that, that, that Nana thinks the world through me, and I think the world through Nana. And years later, when I read the article by Pope Benedict, and he talked about dialogue as thinking through others, I thought that's, that's what it is. And that's union, by the way. So what is marriage? Marriage is the two become one, right? Not just one flesh. They become one flesh, right? Physically together. And and by that act of of physical union, bring about the extraordinary gift of a creation of a new human being who will exist forever. Um, but the unity is also of every other part of their life, right? Everything. Everything in your life. And what you drag into your marriage is just a lot of stuff that you have to bring into that union. A lot of it needs healing. It needs growth. It needs all kinds of things, but we're made for union with each other. We long for union to become one with another. Um, and in that unity, we don't lose our identity. Our identity becomes full and complete because that's the nature of love. When you become one with the one you love, you become fully yourself, right? And this is the way it is with God. Um, and and this is the last thing I'll say. And so God wants so much to become one with us, um, in a human way so that in other words it's accommodated to us where we are who we are um that he became human he took on humanity to himself he condescended in the in the language of the fathers of the church condescended isn't isn't negative like it is in english condescended just means like a like a father stooping down to a child on the ground to speak at their level right to speak with them in their language and um that, that that's what god does he he wants to become one with us so much that He became human and he experienced everything that we do. He didn't want anything to be out of the realm of two becoming one He wanted to taste everything even his execution on the cross the brutal execution He became one with all human tragedy and all human suffering So that he could heal it from the inside out and no longer let it be the obstacle it is um, To us becoming fully what he made us to be Um and so this is the this is the great gift. This is the adventure of our faith. The call to union with God, which is also a call to union with each other in love. Um, love of God and love of neighbor. Um, carried out through dialogue, through this quest for the truth with each other. Where we think through each other and we let others think through us and let it change us. So I hope this podcast um, is my journey uh, through that and toward that. With you, and that you can join me with other hopefully wonderful people who will join me um, here in person or um, online through, um, you know, online means. And uh, I'm excited to be part of this. So thank you so much for listening. This has been um, uh, one head talking for a long time. So if you persevere to the end, you got a whole like free, like I think a hundred years off purgatory. I think the bishop told me for listening to me. I think that's what he said a hundred years off purgatory. Something like that. Plenary indulgence, I think it's called. No. Holy kidding. Don't, don't think that I really said I didn't really mean that. That's a joke. You don't know my humor yet, so I'm, I know I'll get emails if, if people think I'm really saying that you get time of purgatory, but you definitely will get some time of purgatory. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. But I look forward to more episodes where we get to think through each other with each other um, and grow in love for Christ who desperately wants to think his thoughts in you and yours in him. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for tuning in today to the Sharing the Faith podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, visit ptdiocese.org slash faith If you listen to the audio version through an app such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, be sure to rate, review, and comment. If you watched on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe, or leave a comment on the episode. Thank you for listening.